few months ago, we discussed in this podcast the fact that many European citizens, especially young people, are turning away from politics, which is seen as too apathetic and too slow to respond to the climate emergency. Instead, they are looking for a solution from other actors or from an alternative institutional power, justice. Citizens, NGOs and other stakeholders are increasingly mobilizing to take governments, industries or international organizations to court in order to obtain climate justice and also combat social injustice, gender injustice, economic injustice, intergenerational injustice and environmental injustice. Indeed, the financial and penal sanctions imposed in the event of a victory encourage those responsible for pollution to act and thus give hope for fundamental social change. This is why climate change-related lawsuits are on the rise in the EU and around the world. This is Hermine Dancé, and I'm back for a new Euronet Plus Green Deal podcast where we ask, are lawsuits the climate's best chance? Damien Mangon is a 23-year-old Belgian student from the town of Chaufontaine, one of the Belgian cities hit hard by the floods in July 2021. To overcome the difficult memories of the days he spent alone in his house surrounded by water, he became an activist and decided to go to the European Court of Human Rights. His idea is to actually attack a text, or rather an international agreement, the Energy Charter Treaty, a text that organizes international cooperation in the fossil fuel industry and which is no longer compatible with human rights, according to Damien. Miriam, our RTBF colleague, interviewed him. I had already told myself, this is it, now we have to be more involved in the climate. I did almost all the youth for climate marches in Brussels and the Fridays for the future. I joined all of them, thinking, that's good, there's going to be a political reaction behind it, which, unfortunately, didn't happen, or wasn't strong enough, and I suffered the consequences. Afterwards, well, if there's anything I can do to prevent this for other people, I have to do it, because I don't want anyone on Earth, absolutely no one, not even my worst enemies, to go through that. It was horrible. It's horrible to say it will happen again, that's for sure. But the more we can reduce the chances of it happening again, the better. That is why, jointly with four other young climate change victims from other European countries, they have taken legal action in the hope that justice will save others from the same disasters they have experienced. And this is not an isolated story. Globally, the cumulative number of climate change cases has more than doubled since 2015 with more than 1,000 cases filed in the last six years, according to a 2021 report published by the LSE. International courts, such as the European Court of Human Rights, where Damien filed his legal case, but also national courts, are making progress in recognizing and punishing climate crimes. Will the next climate heroes be found among judges and lawyers? Are they better placed to defend the future of generations to come? Away from the short-term expediences of political life, our colleague Mart Wallner of Kuku Radio asked the opinion of Trin Jedma, a lawyer to the Estonian Environmental Law Center. Mm. We are not talking about protecting the rights of the next generation 
but also of this one. Climate change affects us now and people alive right now. The people who live in 20 more years will be affected even more. The fight with climate change via courts has increased a lot and has focused more about protecting human rights. But there are other arguments also, of course. I really liked one verdict from Colombia in 2018, when activists went to court to protect the rainforest. And court didn't just say that the forest has to be protected from the aspect of climate change, but also because the forest itself has its rights. So the nature, in general, has its own rights. What is the impact of these court cases on the promotion of climate action in EU member states today? An air pollution scandal in Plovdiv, brought to court in 2010 by the Association for European Integration and Human Rights in Bulgaria, set a legal precedent after an 11-year legal battle. For the first time, a Bulgarian municipality was sued by citizens and condemned for an environmental crime. BNR journalist Antoinetta Petrichanska spoke to one of the heroes of this story, lawyer Mikhail Ekimdjev, a representative of the above-mentioned association. Supreme Court handed down this landmark decision, and half a year later, after the decision, a similar case was won by green organizations in Sofia. But, again, Plovdiv is the vanguard, the legal precedent. In Bulgaria, such cases are rarely brought by the prosecution because of poverty, lack of capacity of the prosecution itself. These types of cases are civil defense cases against the state when it violates and does not enforce its own laws. Thus, laws are being developed to protect the climate. It covers issues as varied as air quality, waste recycling and climate change and is reflected in the Green Deal, the European Environmental Roadmap. But there are buts. First of all, the rules are complex. Courts have to deal with a multi-layered system of laws, be they national, European or international, not least because climate change issues are transboundary in nature. And then the legal areas are equally intertwined between specific climate change law, public law, private law, criminal law, all of which pose crucial methodological challenges to the courts. And finally, then, comes the question of implementation of the law, of the monitoring of this implementation, and so on. More than two years ago, Lithuania was shocked by a huge environmental scandal affecting the Kyrgyzstan Spit, a UNESCO World Heritage Center. In early 2022, Lithuanian authority filed a lawsuit worth 48 million euros, an unprecedented amount of estimated financial damages against the cardboard manufacturer Gigeo Klaipeda, accused of polluting the Kyronian spit. Lina Paskevichiute, chairwoman of the Coalition for Environmental Protection, hopes that the damage to nature will indeed be repaired. But, she tells Junior Radias reporter Auguste Liberte, if laws can make a difference, the authorities must have the means to enforce them, and she fears that Lithuania has made very little progress in this area in recent years. 
even with the best laws, and we have very good laws and regulations. If there is no one to enforce them, then companies can be relaxed. It doesn't really feel like we've made much progress. We just take small steps. And the feeling is that civil society activism will continue to play a really important role. The more we are active, the more we can ask. And politics has its own limits when it comes to implementing them, explains Senka Shivkovic, an environmental lawyer in Slovenia who works for environmental NGOs. It is precisely because of this complexity that people most often believe that the state will take care of their interests in a healthy living environment. But we have to remember that politicians in power are elected for four years only, which means that they mostly pursue short-term interests, and it is more difficult or even ungrateful for them to take care of long-term interests. At the same time, they have a dual role. On the one hand, they protect the environment, and on the other, they decide what can or cannot be done in the environment. And when making decisions on specific matters, it is often under strong pressure from the economy and capitalist interests. And that's when it can happen that the environment gets the back seat. And nature, of course, has no say. However, driven by the climate emergency, the debate on climate crime is continuing around the world. In international law, a new concept is emerging, that of ecocide, which would concern serious attacks on the environment. The term is reminiscent of the notion of genocide and therefore conveys at an epidermal level a notion of seriousness. This concept was formulated in June 2021 by a group of experts and it immediately attracted a lot of attention, especially in the eyes of the public. Giulia, at Radio 24, interviewed Mariangela Lamanna, a research and international law at the Faculty of Law of the Milan's Catholic University, on this topic. Well, this proposal aims at including a new international crime, not a mere offence but a real international crime, to the list of the four crimes over which the International Criminal Court has jurisdiction namely crimes against humanity, war crimes, genocide and the crime of aggression. According to this proposal, ecocide would be represented by all unlawful or arbitrary acts committed by an agent with knowledge of a significant risk that such conduct will cause serious harm to the environment, as well as acts that are widespread, geographically diffuse or long-lasting and therefore refusing time with prolonged consequences. But do the pronouncements of international courts and nations potentially have an impact? Olivier Descuteurs, UN Special Rapporteur on Extreme Poverty and Human Rights and Professor of International Law at the University of Leuven, analyzes climate-related court cases worldwide. While citizens are increasingly suing states, they are also empowering the judiciary to substitute political action to make those responsible for pollution, particularly companies, pay. Here's what he told Miriam from RTBF. Depuis quelques années, ce sont surtout les gouvernements qui sont visés par ces actions en matière de changement climatique, mais plus récemment, ce sont aussi les entreprises. Are being targeted through actions consisting of obliging these companies to plan the transition to a low-carbon society in the medium term. 
These actions were introduced on the basis of a very simple observation. More than two-thirds of those greenhouse gas emissions since the beginning of the industrial era, 72% to be precise, are attributable to 100 or so companies that we know and have identified in the fossil fuel, petrochemical and cement sectors. These are so-called carbon majors, and these companies are now being sued. Judges must be able to force companies to act so that the promise of the Paris Agreement is respected, without necessarily going through states to impose certain obligations on companies. And that's very interesting, because it allows us to bypass the inertia of governments. It allows us to directly address the main actors responsible for climate change. And it takes us away from the fiction that the answer to climate change lies in the actions of consumers, the daily eco-actions that we can take. It is also these major industrial players that must literally be held to account. And that is what these legal actions do. In addition, according to the Schutter, these court cases have a major educational benefit. They attract media and public attention. They provide a real forum where the impact of climate change on our health, our lives, our future is raised in an adversarial debate. When more than 9 out of 10 European citizens consider climate change to be a serious problem, says a Eurobarometer survey, it forces polluters to consider voluntary actions to limit the harmful impact of their activities. Cristina Nascimento from Radio Renascença in Portugal interviewed Raquel Freitas, an environmental lawyer who confirms justice. O poluir sai muito caro e não é pela coima, é pelo dano reputacional. Ninguém quer estar. Polluting is very expensive, and not because of the fine, but because of the damage to reputation. Nowadays, nobody wants to be associated with environmental damage and degradation. There is a whole movement at the level of these big companies to try, even through voluntary mechanisms and with commercial interest, to change their way of being, precisely because they don't want their name to be associated with bad environmental practices. That's it for today. We'll meet again in two weeks' time for another podcast where we debate the role of social media and climate. Till then, bye.